0: Support for this episode is brought to you by Anchor. It's what I use to create my shows. I find it to be super easy, super simple, and a lot of fun. If you or anybody that you know is interested in creating their own podcast, refer them to Anchor. Super easy. All you have to do is download on Apple, iTunes, or if you have Android, it is compatible with Android. Download now.
1: And I left it in the fridge, and my dad, of course, goes straight to the fridge, starts eating it. He really doesn't even like avocados by themselves, um, and so I was surprised that he was eating it, and I didn't say anything. And I'm like, "Do you like it?" And he's like, "Yeah, it's really good." What is this? I know it's not regular pudding. Like, is it a mousse? What is this? And I told him, and he, his eyes like went bug eye and.
0: From a new media production, it's Talk Vegan, a show about innovators, wellness experts, entrepreneurs, vegans, and the stories behind the movements. I'm Ari, and on today's show, how a former health student took inspiration from avocados and built... A vegan chocolate pudding. Here's Alexis Brenner.
1: Hi everybody, I'm Lexi. So thanks for introducing me formally as Alexis, but I typically go by Lexi. Um, and yeah, so I have just started a business called Avocado along with my dad who is my co-partner. Um, and we're... Creating a vegan, um, allergen-free chocolate avocado pudding, uh, which hopefully is the first flavor of many to come down the road. But we kind of wanted to play on the word avocado because, or avocado because our mission is to encourage people to take action and do. Um, we want people to live healthy, and the first, you know, part of that is just taking baby steps and. Getting out there and doing something—it doesn't have to be perfect, but just
0: do something. That's amazing. I love that. I was just on your Instagram and reading. Um, you posted something about do kindness, do good with avocado. Do am I pronouncing it right? Avocado. Avocado. Yeah, you can
1: pronounce it kind of <laughs> however you want. Avocado. Avocado. It's kind of fun, and we wanted it to be that way. Uh, it's. It kind of reminds us of when um, a yogurt company had come out Faye and no one knows it, but we feel (laughs) (laughs) some people called it Faj, some people called it Faye. And so sometimes the confusion is actually, it gets people speaking about it. So we hope that kind of happens with Avocado as well, and now whenever I say avocado, I almost have to remind myself, okay, avocados are pronounced avocado, not avocado. I love <laughs> it. That's so, so clever.
0: Um, so I want to get into your backstory of how um, how you came about to be an entrepreneur. A lot of my listeners or potential listeners will be um, listening because they're starting their own businesses, and so I want to go back to. Where'd you go to school? Um, what did you think that you were going to be when you grew up?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I can start. So right now I live in Connecticut, in Southern Connecticut, like 40 miles outside of New York City. This is home to me. I grew up here. However, um, I went to school in Charleston, South Carolina at the College of Charleston. And I studied public health and I have always from, you know, a young age, always had some fascination with the outdoors, with food, where it was grown, you know, always being the kid that was licking my fingers and cookie (laughs) batter and being outside, you know, playing in the grass and hiking. Um, And so I've always had this curiosity and I don't think it really hit me until I was much older. So I kind of think it will make sense if I... Rewind a little bit. And I, when I was eight years old, I was on the Rachel Ray show. And I didn't realize how influential that would be um, because it was one of those moments where I was at the right place at the right time. You know, this was not planned, this kind of fell into my lap. And of course, I was super excited because I love to cook. And I don't think I even knew who Rachel Ray was at eight years old. And she was just getting started. Too, um, and so I think that was the first time after being on her show um, that I realized, wow, like I could do something with food. I could do cooking. I mean, I'm watching Rachel do it herself. She has her TV show, and she was just very positive and open minded, and and wanted to make people's lives simpler um, because a lot of times we're so busy and cooking is the last thing uh, we want to do or know how to do. And especially at eight years old, she taught me How did you end lot. up on the Rachel Ray show at eight years old? What's the story behind that? Yeah. And that's <laughs> I was, it really fell in my lap and I'm so grateful for it. So her producers, uh, I guess friends of someone living on my block at the time, wanted to do a block party special for the Food Network and to have Rachel Ray host, you know, what to cook for a block party. And so a few neighborhood kids got asked if they wanted to be on the show. And of course, I was jumping up and down like, yes, of course, that'd be so fun. Um, And so that is really how it happened. Like I said, so random, not like I auditioned or anything, but my love of food, that was just like a perfect opportunity where, You know, I could have said no or could have been too scared to do it, especially being eight um, and not having any acting or public speaking beforehand. Um, I just decided to go for it. And I'm really happy that I did at such a young age. And it wasn't, you know, it wasn't just me. So I think that took the pressure off. But I just always laugh at that because I think that's really what started me thinking about food in such a different way. Um, as more than just simply food that it can, you know, have take on much more meaning. Um, and yeah, that's kind of the backstory of ritual, Ray, but we're getting no. I, to I love that far story. That's,
0: that. <laughs> that's incredible. That's like, that was your birth place of how you got really passionate about food. And I think when you're at that age, at eight years old, you really kind of absorb everything that's around you. So that's really incredible. So what did you guys make on on the Rachel Ray show?
1: We didn't make anything healthy, of course. I mean, we were doing a block party special. We made coconut cupcakes and mini burgers. And so I guess this is a good segue going into um, – My, I also really struggled with food as well. Once I hit puberty, um, I really struggled, as I'm sure a lot of teens, um, you know, still do today, and even adults any age struggle with body image and eating habits. And until I went to a holistic nutritionist and, you know, knew I needed help, um, is really the first time I looked at food as a form of love and a form of you know, health, true healing, and that food is can be so nourishing. And it's so important to have the right relationship with it as well. Um, because it affects not just your physical body, but I really think it affects, you know, your mental health as well. Do you um, do you care to
0: share with my audience or our audience? What what kind of food issues you had? At a young age?
1: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so when I was a teen, I just really wasn't eating enough. Um, So I was kind of on the verge of becoming anorexic and also working out a lot. And at such a young age, when you're growing, you know that is just crucial to get enough nutrients. And I really was not. Um, And so that is something that I also feel like at a young age was definitely a factor in why I'm so passionate about food and health and coming at it from a lens of being positive and striving for progress rather Mm -hmm. than perfection. Um, And, you know, and, and also taking that through every um, aspect of health, you know, not just food, but also when it comes to working out and also, you know, your emotions and how you treat others, because it, I feel like, there's always some relation back to health of you or others, um, whether it's food, whether it's about physical activity or not. It's so much. Yeah.
0: Health is, is there's so many attributes to health, you know, you, it's, it's a balance Mm -hmm. with mental health and physical health between working out and eating right. And the relationships that you even hold with other people is important. Um, We're all consuming everything that's around us. So Yeah, I think that's important. But going back to your holistic nutritionist, is she the one who um, maybe inspired you to become vegan? Or how did that? How did that transition happen for you?
1: Yeah, so that was later on in my life. So I, um, you know, was not, I still to this day, I'll be honest, I'm not 100% vegan. Um, So I consider myself plant based. I, I am really trying my best to become more mindful of what I'm putting uh-huh. into my body, and just yes, I feel so much better when I'm not eating as much dairy, as much meat, um, as much animal-based products in general. I feel so much more energized, lighter. So I think the more and more I just make these gradual shifts, I notice that I'm feeling better. So that didn't come on till later in my life. Um, because as I stated, I went to college in South Carolina, which is like the home of barbecue and (laughs) you know, there's, it's much more old fashioned and not as, um, you know, plant-based on that plant-based trend as more urban areas tend to be today. Um, and even a few years ago, I feel like there's been such a shift too and more people um, gravitating towards a vegan plant-based lifestyle. And there's so much more options for people as well um, and more education, like the the Game Changers movie and Forks Over Knives and all these amazing, amazing platforms that have allowed people to really get informed because, to be honest, until a few months ago, you know, a few years ago, I really didn't know where, you know, the meat industry, I didn't know the ins and outs of the industrialized meat industry as I do now. And so that's definitely making me shift my way and my patterns, um, patterns of eating. Um, and yeah, so I think that's another aspect of my, my motto to strive for progress over perfection. And for me to go, you know, completely vegan overnight, I felt like wasn't the best option for me personally, but everyone is different. And I have so much respect for people that, you know, are a hundred percent vegan and really, really take to heart that lifestyle because I can see why the reasons, you know, the health benefits, uh, the planet benefits, and um, just the the ethical and humane, um, just a more ethical and humane way um, of conscious living. Absolutely. And
0: I I actually admire people who are going through the transition of trying to be more plant-based. I guess that's the more appropriate word these days, plant-based. Nobody likes the word vegan
1: anymore. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I feel it's like- a strict label these days and it doesn't have to be, but that's why I think I say plant-based more often because how long have you been vegan? So I, um, I've,
0: I've been vegan for probably 12 years. There was a time in between where I started to introduce dairy into my diet again. Um, but 12 years, but I've been meatless since I was 12 and that that's, that's like pretty much half, more than half of my life. Um, yeah, that's a- yeah. But I always tell people I was actually having a conversation with somebody last night about transitioning. I always tell people don't put so much pressure on yourself to just go vegan or plant based totally cold turkey, no pun intended, because you're <laughs> likely you're likely to you know backslip or you're likely to want to go back to what you're used to eating so if you start to just slowly introduce like you were saying you know plant-based meals here and there maybe once a day twice a day and then gradually increase it to every day I think that's the healthier way to do it because a lot of people they want to be they they really want to be plant-based they see what's happening to these animals they see what's happening to the environment they know that it's healthier but they just can't let go of. It's It's kind of an addiction. So it's easier to, if you just kind of wean yourself off of it.
1: Um, yeah. I think part of hearing you just say that, I mean, you started this from such a young age and I feel like that is so amazing. And I think more and more kids too are starting to adopt a vegan or plant-based lifestyle. And it's like with anything, if you start younger, it's just ingrained in your habits. And I think it's just getting out of our own way. We know that it's like, like me, I know that I will feel much better because I already do. And I barely eat any meat anymore. It's really the dairy that has me, um, the dairy products that have me still, you know, consuming, consuming them. And that's part of the reason why I wanted to create this vegan pudding is because I felt like there's so many options out there that aren't vegan. And a lot of times you don't notice the difference when they are vegan. And (laughs) it's sometimes just making that easy swap that you just like, like an avocado, you just got to do it. And I think it's a good reminder of myself to um, just really be more mindful and stop thinking about, you know, making these switches and actually do them. But it's so hard, like, that's the whole um, point of what our mission and our message about encouraging people is that we understand that, there's that space between knowing and doing and like getting over that hurdle is the hardest part and we're not perfect either. So like we want to create a community where we can relate and whether you're 100% vegan or maybe 50%, 10%, like it's okay. Just any little step towards doing something better for you, your community and the planet like makes a difference. Um, And so I guess it's like what you kind of just said, just reminded me that yeah, I think that we all could do a little bit better. And it's just holding ourselves accountable.
0: Yeah, I, I absolutely love the movement behind your brand. I feel like more brands should have something similar to that behind their brand. It's I think, Thank yeah, I, I really, really love that. Um, going back to your, um, your, uh, what, where was I? I'm looking looking at my notes here that you're okay so we left off on your holistic nutrition your nutritionist okay um so you didn't become vegan until later just recently two months ago
1: yeah because um this like when I went to the holistic nutritionist I feel like it wasn't as popular then or this nutritionist didn't um practice, you know, encouraging clients to go plant-based because I still was eating, you know, a lot of meat, a lot of dairy. Um, And I didn't notice um, how it made me feel, like I said, until I was probably in college. I started just feeling really bloated and um, low energy, especially after eating meat. And so I've always been weirded out too when I cooked it. And I knew for me, like, why am I weirded out when I'm cooking meat? Like that. Why do I even cook it for myself if I'm already like yeah. kind of like eked out by cooking it itself? Um, and so then I was like, okay, maybe I should just lay it off lay off it a little bit. Um and I studied abroad in Italy and Florence, and they their lifestyle there, you know, they they adopted this principle of just a carefree, happy, healthy life, again, not striving for perfection, just, um, you know, trying to do their best, having meals with their families and friends and making food much larger than just something to eat, but an experience and part of their culture. And so I also realized in some cultures, like meat does have a place and it's very special to them. However, you know, in Italy, for example, a lot of these um, these meat, you know, farmers they're much more small scale. They know, like, they people know who their um, farmer is. They could go walk to walk to get, you know, fresh eggs or fresh veggies. And so that was something that I was like, okay, well, I can see, I understand that aspect and. I respect it a lot, and so I didn't really think of making this plant-based switch until um, my time when I worked with FoodCorps. Um, so after college, I did a service year, which is an awesome organization. So anyone listening should definitely check out foodcorps.org. It's spelled F-O-O-D-C-O-R-P-S dot org, um, and it's a nonprofit that teaches kids about where healthy food comes from so how to cook it how to grow it um nutrition education and just creating healthier school communities and lower income areas where they may not have the same access as you know wealthier communities have and so learning about more about the food system um through that organization really got me thinking about my choices and I think that's when that shift happened like I don't remember an exact day or yeah what because I've read so many books and especially being a public health student like so many videos but I don't know what the act like when it was this switch in yeah life. so well, I I keep saying you switch to
0: vegan, but I know you're you're tr- you're still kind of transitioning into you're plant based. You're trying to be plant based. Got it. Yeah. Um. So tell me the website again, so uh, I can personally look it up myself. Food Core, You
1: said. Mm-hmm. F o o d c o r p s dot org. Um, and that is like. I feel like that was the root of what inspired all of my work after um, after graduating college. So I think it's equally important too. I think that that's
0: great, but I think it's also equally important to not only educate children but also their parents because we uh, we probably like I'm in my 30s people my age or even older who have children, they're still cooking the way that their parents or our parents cook, which is mm-hmm. predominantly, you know, meat based. So I think it's equally important to educate people of our age too, but not only the children. I'm going to look up this website and, and uh, find out more information. Thank you for that resource.
1: Yeah. And the funny thing is when teaching the kids like they go home and tell their parents, like, I want to go buy some carrots in the grocery store. Let's make this smoothie. I mean, it was amazing because I didn't think that what I was going to teach them would necessarily, some, is necessarily something they take home with mm-hmm. them. But I would have parents come up me and be like, oh my gosh, I tried the smoothie that we made um, or that you made with my kid in class and it was delicious and I never even had one before. And that was when I realized like, okay. There's something about teaching kids that really could have a huge ripple effect in the way generations to come think about food, view food, work with food. And um, I mean, I mean, the kids really are the future generation. So I feel like that's the best place to really start to make sustainable changes Mm -hmm. Um, because some people are just going to be stuck in their ways and they might not want to change because that's the biggest thing I feel like for adults, you have to want to change or you're not going to. Yeah. Um, even if you know that you should, like you have to still want to. Mm hmm. Yeah. And I think sometimes it
0: takes a big hit over the head to, to have to change. There has to be something dramatic when you're when you're at an age where you're just like you've you you've lived this life consistent consistently of eating dairy and meat or things that are unhealthy for you um there's got to be a wake-up call for you to make a switch a lot of times not all the time but there's got to be some sort of um wake-up call health wake-up call (laughs)
1: sometimes unfortunately
0: but you know go ahead
1: yeah no I I totally agree and I feel like thinking back to your question like when I really started to become plant-based the more and more I think about it I feel like it was when I was just feeling really kind of low and like just not great it wasn't some crazy health scare or anything but I just didn't feel great or feel like myself Mm -hmm. Um, and I knew that it was coming from Somewhere, and I didn't know where, and so I was trying all these different things, and nothing was working. And actually, I was just talking about it with a friend today, which is super funny. And I was saying, like, yeah, I really have cut out a lot of meat in my diet and less dairy. Like, I'm not perfect, but I'm doing, I'm really making big changes, and I can feel my energy shift. And I'm not even, you know, a hundred um, percent plant based, so. I know that there's something there. And I think for me personally, like it affects my mood and that can make, I feel like that's just going to continue to make me want to make these changes because I feel better. And for me, health isn't always about how you look, but really how you feel. Mm -hmm. And so I think from speaking, you know, from a personal perspective, that's really what's going to get me to change. Um, and also that just because you're plant-based or vegan doesn't mean that you still can't eat really well, really good, have food that tastes, you know, really indulgent and fills you up, I think better, uh, more satisfying than a lot of animal products can. Yeah. I I always tell, um,
0: you know, my family members and friends that, are uh, trying to be healthier, regardless of whether they're going plant-based or not, is that you have to think of food as if every bite that you have that you consume in your body is feeding each cell in your body. And we're made up of millions of cells. And so is the, is the bite that you're taking right now, is that feeding your cells or is it depleting your cells? Is it making it, it's either going to make you alive or make you sick? So it's really, it really just boils down to that, you know, and a lot of, and a lot of plant-based foods, not all plant-based foods. And in fact, majority of plant-based foods, um, nowadays are filled with, uh, a lot of chemicals. I, I hate to say it, but a lot of the junk food, the plant-based junk food is, is not the healthiest, but it's. When you're transitioning and you, I said this on my last podcast, when you're transitioning and you want your greasy foods and you want your, you know, your fun, fatty foods, that's the, that's the easiest thing to do is to
1: get some, some vegan junk food. But, um, yeah, I so agree with that. And I feel like that's also why I felt so strongly about not adding any chemicals or preservatives to our product because I felt like a lot of times people were like, oh, well, it's plant-based or it's vegan, so it's healthy. I'm like, just exactly what you said, like, just because it's uh, plant-based or vegan does not mean that it's not, like, it it still can be bad for you. And there's this whole marketing um, scheme, I think, that has people in this mindset, like, oh, if it's vegan, if it's gluten-free, if it's blah, blah, blah that I can eat it and there's no consequences and I'm fine. Like I don't have to read the label and I still stress to people like the best foods for you are your whole foods. And when you're going to be eating something, you know, from the grocery store, just check the label. And if you can pronounce all of the the ingredients, great. That's healthy for you. And yeah. um, Like the less ingredients, the more, or the less ingredients, the the more benefits. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I agree. So how did you come up with your recipe, the consistency and the flavor? Um, Was it something that you you just you thought about or did it take time? Because it is it is a very simple, wholesome recipe. I tasted it. We um, for my listeners, Lexi and I met at the New Jersey Veg Fest. I was walking around. One of the most beautiful things about being a food blogger is being able to meet other foodies. <laughs> so I met <laughs> Lexi um, at her booth and I tasted her avocado. Avocado. I'm gonna struggle with that <laughs> avocado, <laughs> okay. avocado um, pudding, and that's how we met. So, how did you how did you come up with the consistency? Because it's super delicious and it's very thick. And I didn't even realize that it had avocado in it. I didn't even look at your sign until you told me that it had avocado in it. <laughs>
1: yeah, and that's the bulk of our ingredient. I mean, it's mostly avocado. That's our first ingredient. Um, but how it came to be was that um, so. After my time with FoodCorps, I worked for a cooking school at Stonewall Kitchen, and they did not cook the healthiest. I loved it. It was great. I ate amazing food, got to learn so much. But like I said before, I just really wasn't feeling great. And so when I wasn't working or had to make certain recipes, I would always work on how could I tweak this so that it you know doesn't have dairy? Or how can I tweak this so that I don't have to necessarily feel guilty about and I don't like to say that I ever feel guilty about f- food, but just something where I could feel better about. Um, and so just on my own personal health journey, um, I studied at the Integrative um, Institute for Integrative Nutrition while I was working at Stonewall Kitchen, which opened my eyes to a lot of different food bloggers and recipes for people that wanted to eat healthier uh, and feel better. And so I definitely wasn't the first one to invent an avocado pudding. I will totally be honest with that, but I made it with ingredients that I had in my house and I wanted it to be my own. So I tweaked and I adapted and I made it a hundred times and, you know, would always taste it. And the ripeness of the avocado would make a huge difference in the flavor. So you can imagine that every single ingredient I ever used, if it was a different brand, if it was, you know, a slight variation, it would be different. So, trying to get my recipe down pack was really, really hard. Um, and so, I really, it was just trial and error. Um, I'm not a food scientist, I'm not trained in, you know, perfecting recipes per se, but I just had um, one moment. So, I made this chocolate avocado pudding, I put it in the fridge, I was at my parents' house. And I left it in the fridge. And my dad, of course, goes straight to the fridge, starts eating it. He really doesn't even like avocados by himself. Um, and so I was surprised that he was eating it. And I didn't say anything. And I'm like, do you like it? And he's like, yeah, it's really good. What is this? I know it's not regular pudding. Like, is it a mousse? What is this? And I told him and he, his eyes like went bug eye and couldn't believe what the ingredients were, that there was barely anything in it, you know. Avocado, cocoa powder, agave, rice milk, vanilla, and like a little bit of water. Um, So he was really surprised and he is a type 2 diabetic too. So I was like, oh, this is something healthy for me or just a better option than a lot of these sugar-free, like super chemical-based products that they try and, um, you know, put out there for people that want to limit their sugar intake. So, we got really excited about this. Um, You know, my niece and nephew, who are two and four, I gave it to them and their eyes lit up when they ate it. I mean, a lot of young kids love avocados um, to start with, and adults. Like, there's this huge craze right now (laughs) for avocados um, because it's like a big superfood and it keeps you full. Um, It can mask really well in a lot of different foods. So, my dad and I were like, let's look into this. Like, let's see if we can get a co packer or go to a community kitchen. Like, let's, let's do some research. And so we did. And that's kind of where it all started is just having my dad try it. And we got inspired and got talking, like, maybe there's something that that's here. Okay. So
0: when, when you get to the point where you have your recipe, and your dad likes it you like it you guys want to go to market Mm -hmm. you the first thing that you did was research a co-packer
1: yes so well there was a lot of google like if you're about to start your own food business or any business you're going to be doing a lot of googling because at least for me like I did not have a business degree I knew a lot about health and nutrition but the actual business side of um, the food industry was new and a lot of aspects of the food industry are complex and um, it's just that's why there's a lot of people when you go into any food industry or starting up your business they just say like meeting other food entrepreneurs they get it because there's so many barriers and obstacles that you have to go over Um, so I would say once you have your recipe look at can you make this product in your kitchen um, or do you have to go to a community kitchen and make this product um, if you're able to sell it. So there's different states have different laws about whether um, you're able to you know, cook or make your product at home and be able to sell it or if you have to rent or become a part of a um, shared kitchen facility that has the right licensure. Mm-hmm. Um, and it depends on the type of product too. So because I was dealing with a fresh fruit, there was a lot of stricter regulations and, you know, keeping it fresh and whatnot. So that's why we decided to reach out to different co-packers because we were dealing with such a, um, you know, a lot of food safety issues when you're dealing directly with fresh fruits and vegetables, um, when they have to stay in the fridge and, um, yeah, so I think that's a really great place to start for anyone. Um, and then, you know, when you have your recipe, you may also want to consider depending what it is, like getting it patented and, you know, sending it to a lab to get it tested for the nutrition label and even different food safety certifications that you'll need if you're planning on going to a farmer's market or, um, you know, smaller independent grocery stores and so forth.
0: I was just about to ask you where you source your ingredients. So do you, do you go to farmer's markets? Do you buy wholesale? How do you, where do you get your avocados?
1: Yes. So we have, with our co-packer, we um, source our avocados from Mexico, California, and Peru, just depending on the growing season Uh, Because obviously, avocados don't grow in Connecticut, unfortunately. I really wish they did. Um, And then I could say, yep, they're local avocados. But that's also one of the reasons why I may, you know, also be considering going out west so that I can be closer to the source of um, what's in the product. And there's a lot of different ways that um, just depending on the scale and availability that you have of resources, like, yeah, you could source from local um, companies and other um, small businesses in your area. But because we were working with a co-packer, they had already um, certifications for gluten-free, non-GMO, kosher. So we decided to use uh, their ingredients that they source from their facility. Um, And they're based out in California. And so that just was a smarter decision for us because we wanted to be able to have um, all these certifications in place for when we go to market. And I should also have a little disclaimer, like we just officially launched our product. We've been working on this for, you know, over under a year, but. Our official launch of getting the product out there was um, at a kosher food show, which was only a few days before I met you, Ari. So I remember you telling quick. me that. Yeah. <laughs>
0: I was super shocked when you told me this. That was the day of, or the, the, uh, a couple of days after your launch. So um, yeah. I thought you guys, Look very professional. You had your logo out. You, ha- I mean, like it looked like you guys had been established for a while. So kudos to you guys. Speaking of labels, so how did you get your label? How did how did that all
1: come about? So, like I said, depending on who you're working with, and um, you know, if you're working with a co-packer, if you're dealing with a community kitchen where you're making it yourself. There's different processes where you can send um, you send a sample of your product in to different labs to get it tested. Mm-hmm. Um, no really good a really good um, uh, food science and safety center is at Cornell. So for anyone listening that needs to get um, nutrition labels or food safety certifications or um, testing out their shelf life. Cornell has a great program where you send in, um, you know, samples of your product, and they do different tests. So there's other programs as well. But um, will you spell I've... that for for our listeners? Yes. So it's um, Cornell University. Um, C O R N E L L. Um, And you should look, if you Google search like Cornell food safety um, tests or lab, you know, food science lab tests, I'm sure it will come right up. Um, But that's a great resource. And like I said, anyone that's in this food entrepreneur world, it takes a lot of Google searching. So if that one doesn't look right for you, there are plenty of others out there and also private companies that do it as well. Um which you know, price might be a different an issue or something to consider. So definitely do your research before committing to like the first um, option you see with whatever you decide so, to do with your business. <laughs> you're, um, you're,
0: you're, you said your dad is your business partner. Mm-hmm. Does he have mm-hmm. any background in business? Because it sounds like you're relying a lot on Google, but navigating on Google can only take you so far. D- does your dad help you out in the sense of making business decisions and funding and, um, you know, making sure you don't make any pitfalls? <laughs>
1: For sure. Yes. Um, and that is the great thing. So I feel like I bring the food side and my dad brings a lot more of the like business expertise and just more experience um, having had his own businesses um, for his current business right now that he's still um, working at, you know, he's had that for 30 years. Um, of running his own business. So he gets it and he understands what it's like to, you know, be running a small business. Um, So I ask him tons of questions and because he's my dad, sometimes I'm like, I don't want to listen, but I know that I should because I I don't have the business (laughs) degree. And um, also, what's um, the best
0: advice that he's given you?
1: Is that just, you know, don't cut corners and make sure that you're protected. So for like our logos and stuff, we wanted to get it a trademark because that can be a huge issue um, for other people. You know, they can do, they obviously can do similar products to you, but if you have a trademark brand, they can't take that from you. And that's, you know, your creation, you own the rights to that um, as well as just like filing your taxes right. Um, making sure, you know, before you go into certain meetings, having a non-disclosure agreement. So whatever you talk about is confidential. And um, depending on who you're meeting with, you know, they can't go and spread your your ideas or your recipe or your um, your information to others without your consent. So I think that has been huge because I think had I not known that, I might have walked into certain scenarios blindly or been a little bit naive. Um, so definitely, definitely helpful to have him on board and, and supporting, um, supporting this because it's, it's really fun to do this together as well. Um, we've learned a lot about each other, (laughs) (laughs) both both good and bad, but mostly good. And, that's another thing, you know, working with family is not for everyone. Um, and working with close friends too, like you have to definitely make a lot of sacrifices and have clear boundaries um, when you're you're in business with people that you, you know and love for a long time because there's such a fine line sometimes of, you know, when certain things are appropriate and certain things are not and just for your own for your own sanity and well-being.
0: I agree completely. So, um speaking of working with friends and family, how many people do you have on staff? Is it just you and your
1: father or do you have employees? Yeah. So, I mean, one day I hope to say yeah, we have this great team and, you know, we have a lot of people working on a lot of different things, but right now it's mostly me um and, you know, my dad. He like I said, he still runs his own business I work part-time and do a lot of odd jobs to to make ends meet as well but my main focus is this business and so um yeah it I feel like I trailed off <laughs> oh
0: no I I just I just you know asked you if you had you know a staff is it just you or you yes. Yes. Do you have your friends helping you out or
1: um, do you plan on expanding? So we, we really plan on expanding. And so for the time being, it's just me and my dad, but we have a lot of advisors, um, you know, different friends within the industry that we go to for advice or just to talk. Um, because I think that's huge when you create a community of support, um, and a network with, you know, people from all different backgrounds within maybe the same industry. Um, And so especially going to different small business events, women's business events, meeting people, that has been super beneficial And hearing, you know, other people's advice and um, opinions, which sometimes, you know, you just have to listen to them, then you might not agree with it but it's great to hear just a range of perspectives of other people that have gone maybe through similar paths that you have. Um, So I hope to one day, you know, have a staff, but right now we have more of an advisory board, like a sounding board um, and a few friends that help us with marketing and um, that helped us with our website, like graphic design. So we were lucky to know a few people that we could, you know, call on to ask for um, for help because uh, we know that you know we can't hire anyone full-time right now but hopefully as we expand and grow that will have the options options to do that but we also just started working with a national sales agency so that is going to be really really instrumental in helping us grow because While it's just me and my dad, now we also have a partnership with a team of people that can help really um, help get our sales going and um, help with logistics and different back end, um, back insides of the business.
0: Yeah, like distribution and getting your Mm -hmm. product into stores. Is your product hard? I'm sorry, go ahead. I said, and that's the hardest part. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure. Is your product in any stores right now?
1: Not quite, but I want to say to anyone listening, definitely stay tuned to our Instagram, our website. Um, we will be in su- stores soon. Like I said, the distribution and the logistics side of things, especially for a refrigerated product, is really, really difficult to work around. Um, and so right now we're going to you know, just be going into smaller local stores, but we hadn't even officially gotten our packaging for the shows. So we didn't want to go into the stores until we have our our finalized packaging.
0: Well tell everybody your social media handle, your website, like tell everybody where they can purchase and all of that.
1: Yeah. So um it's I do and then at I do avocado and It's pronounced avocado, but it's spelled avocado. So that's pretty easy to remember. Um, And yeah, I hope that you guys follow along. And as we grow and expand, I hope that more and more people get to try this pudding. I think it's pretty delicious and unique. Um, So we'll be working really hard to, to get it out there.
0: That was Lexi Brenner from Avocado. If you guys enjoyed this podcast, please rate and review. It means a lot to me and it actually goes a long way. Thank you guys for listening and we'll talk soon.